Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Guns of Hammer, written by Barry Cord. The Rancher Who Battled Shadow Riders from the Past Miles North's father, the rugged old ruler of the Hammer Ranch, had suddenly saddled up and ridden away without trace or explanation. At the same time, just as young Miles found himself in a showdown fight to hold the mighty range, a group of ornery strangers rode into the land, lined themselves up alongside Hammer's foes, and started to close in. But Miles was no quitter. He knew that even though the odds against him had doubled, there was at least one way to save his hide and his father's holdings. It would involve taking a back trail into the distant past, one that would lead either to utter disgrace or to the kind of discovery that would bring all the guns of hammer into thundering action. But if he took that path, Miles North would face a greater danger than he had ever known, because he had forgotten the rangeland adage, old bandits never die, and a bullet blizzard lay directly ahead. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Guns of Hammer. Chapter 1 Kate Barrow saw the rider swing into view at the far end of Jackson Street, and even though it was night, she recognized the bulk of the man against the low-hanging stars. She stopped, a little gasp escaping her. The man at her side said, Miles? And at her quick nod, he touched her arm, half in defiance. He's got to know sometime, Kate. No, no. She turned and looked up into Ned Atwell's shadowed face. Not now, please, Ned. He hasn't seen us. If you'll... Ned Atwell, tall and slender and handsome in town clothes, nodded resignedly. It isn't fair to Miles, he muttered, nor to me. I'm his friend too, Kate, but in things like this... Her fingers tightened on his arm. Please, she breathed. He shrugged. I'll call on your father tomorrow. His tone held a bitter wryness. She nodded quickly. Yes, yes. He turned and glanced back to the saloon two doors away. I need a drink anyway, he murmured. Good night, Kate. Kate didn't look back. She kept walking until she reached the corner. The big rider saw her then and pulled into the walk. Miles, she said, forcing surprise into her voice. How nice. I didn't expect you in town tonight. Miles North stepped out of saddle and came up to the walk. He loomed over her by a head a big man, hard and solid and unsmiling. She glimpsed his face and sensed the violence in this man she had consented to marry, a violence which both repelled and attracted her. Sorry, Kate, he said softly. He was always gentle with her, always correct. He held himself in leash with her. She knew this, and sometimes it frightened her. Miles, I was just going home. Dad will be glad to see you. He shook his head. Not tonight. I'm in town on other business. But I will walk you home. She was slim and poised. Her voice was soft, and there was a smell of sweet lilacs about her that suggested fragility. She didn't belong in this valley cow town only one step from frontier roughness. And he wondered again what had brought Major John Barrow and his daughter to Chuckline. Kate hesitated. If you want to, Miles, she assented. She would never oppose him. She knew it and she hated herself for it. Miles North stepped off the walk to the big black waiting in the street. 
A swirl of sand ran like a puff of smoke down the almost deserted road. The grit rustled onto the boardwalk like the soft slithering of a snake. Kate Barrow turned her face from the stinging wind. Miles looped his reins around the black's pommel. Follow along, Mig, he said softly. The black tossed his head in understanding. He joined the girl on the walk, took her arm. For a bare moment he paused, his glance searching the shadows of the street, and Kate felt the grim expectancy in him. She said quickly, Miles, if you really must see someone on business... It can wait, he said shortly. He turned down Sawyer Street with her, and almost immediately they left Chuckline's business district. A crossroad town on the edge of the desert, it would never be anything else. Miles was silent as he walked with this girl under the shadowing cottonwoods to the Barrow Cottage at the end of the street. Kate's light chatter about the coming church social fell apart under the press of Miles's silence. They walked the last fifty yards in silence, only the big black's trailing hoofs making a sound in the dry, rustling night. He stopped at the small gate, opened it for her. She turned and looked up at him, and instinctively froze as he put his big hands on her shoulders and bent to kiss her. He felt her withdrawal, and his kiss was light and brief. Good night, Kate, he said. I'll see you later in the week. He turned and walked back, the black trailing after him. Kate waited a moment before going into the house. She felt small and miserable and unhappy. She had promised to marry this man, and she didn't love him. Miles North came back to the corner of Jackson and Sawyer and waited, his restless glance probing the shadows. The leashed expectancy stirred in him as a small figure shuffled into a patch of light on the opposite walk, paused a moment to pick him out, then headed for him. A fiddle wailed plaintively inside the Casa Grande at Miles's back. From one of the upstairs rooms, a man's rough voice lashed out, riding down a woman's query. The tinder dryness of this land, forty days without rain, gave an edgy atmosphere to the town, and tempers were short and ugly. The small figure loomed up in front of Miles and became a weather-beaten man of some fifty years, shapeless in old range clothes, sagging cartridge belt, battered gray Stetson. He stepped up to the walk and said shortly, He's in Charlie's, and fell in step with the younger man as Miles wheeled abruptly away. They walked without conversation. The small man was Miles's foreman, twice Miles's age and half his size, and long on silence. He quickened his step to keep up with the younger man's stride, his grizzled jaws working methodically on a quid of tobacco. Miles North was a big man, a rangy, long-muscled man with a stubborn jaw and a line of bitterness that ran down from his gray eyes to the hard crimp of his mouth. He headed for Charlie's, high heels hitting the board solidly, and when he reached the low adobe building with Charlie's bar painted across the dirty windows, he turned and palmed the bat wings open. Cud Walker, his foreman, hesitated in the doorway, a tight grin on his usually sour face. Behind him, a group of cowponies moved restlessly against the rail. Three drinkers were hunched over the far end of the small bar. A bigger group gathered quietly around a card table in the rear of the room, directly under an overhead oil lamp. Miles wheeled toward this group while Cudwalker drifted slowly toward the shadowed wall. This was Miles's play, and he knew the temper of the man who now run the hammer spread. The relaxed atmosphere in Charlie's changed with Miles's entrance, as if someone had rammed a charge of giant powder into the room and lighted the fuse. The three drinkers eased back along the bar, turning to keep a watchful eye on the big man walking toward the card players. Charlie's man, Terry, 
a small, thin-faced oldster with nervous hands, slid back toward her rear room. Terry always went for Charlie when trouble brewed. The men at the card table kept playing, but the easy banter that had marked their game fell off and faces were suddenly impassive in the yellow lamp glow. Miles looked them over, a contemptuous twist to his lips. There were Mike O'Lean, Joe Larson, Shorty Baker, Dutch Mueller, and Benjamin Gaines. The first four he had known most of his life. They had been his father's friends. Benjamin Gaines was new. All of them, including Gaines, were men with small outfits, farmers who ran a few cattle south of Miles' big hammer spread. Gaines had bought the pothole from Kennedy's widow, moved in with a hired hand, and started to expand. There was only one way he could expand, onto hammer grass. Miles's hard gaze singled him out. You, Gaines, he snapped. I told you to keep your cows off the strip. Gaines looked up then, a red flush staining his heavy neck. He was about Miles' age, half a foot shorter and ten pounds heavier. A sandy-haired, solid man, slow to move, but hard to stop once in motion. Of the group around the table, he alone wore a belt gun. He said carefully, picking his words, I don't want trouble with you, Miles. He repeated it, reading the anger burning hot in the other's eyes. I don't want trouble with you. Then run your cows off the strip, Miles said flatly, and keep them off hammer grass. He swung around then, his gaze holding the others around the table, challenging them individually. That goes for all of you. Stay clear of hammer grass. Michael Lean shifted restlessly. He was a small, wiry, bitter man, tied down by a wife and five small children. He had come into the valley only a year after old Farnham North had founded Chuckline, when this town had been nothing but a general store at a trail crossing. A young, handsome man with ambition, he had married too early, and his bitterness had increased in direct ratio to the success of the men who had come after him. Mike had tried his hand at half a dozen ventures, and they had folded. Now all ambition had been sucked out of him, leaving him an embittered and dangerous man. The strip's open range, he pointed out. You can't keep us off, Miles. You know it has the only water hole in ten miles. And barely enough water for hammer beef, Miles snapped. Not enough for every two-bit rancher who suddenly decides he wants to spread out at hammer's expense. Mike's fingers crushed his cards. Shorty Baker laid a restraining hand on his arm. Shorty was a mild, chunky man with straw hair, blue eyes, and a smile that weathered anger, hate, and disappointment. Your father was an understanding man, Miles. When the dry spells came, he helped us little fellas out. My father was a soft man, Miles said harshly. But I remember when you used to ask him to use the strip's water, not try to crowd hammer beef out. Shorty looked uncomfortable and glanced at Gaines. Ben sneered. A lot of us have kowtowed too long before Hammer, he growled. Miles' eyes held small, wicked lights. You speaking for all the boys, Ben? Shorty added quickly. Miles, we knew you since you were knee-high, before you went east to that medical school. You ain't the same man who left here a year ago. His voice faltered, petered out. Miles was eyeing Gaines, separating the thick-necked man from the others at the table. His voice had a metallic ring. I came looking for you, he said, because I heard you've been saying I needed a lesson. You want to be the teacher? 
Gaines swallowed. The others around the table stiffened, and no one heard Charlie come into the room, followed by Terry. Miles loomed over Gaines, his face dark and watchful, and there was no softness in him, no relenting. Well? A red stain crept up Gaines's thick neck. His eyes held an uncertain flicker. Kennedy said he always ran his beef onto strip water, he mumbled. You got no right. You ain't Kennedy, Miles cut him off. I don't know you, Gaines. I don't know what you're after. But if it's trouble you want, you're headed in the right direction. Miles' eyes took in the others at the card table. Maybe this loudmouth talked you boys into believing that, with Dad gone, Hammer would be an easy touch. He's wrong. You keep listening to him, and you'll find out just how wrong you are. Oline moved restlessly. The others stood quiet, faces harsh in the lamplight. I'm warning you this last time, Miles said, speaking directly to Gaines. Keep your cows off the strip. He waited a moment, conscious of the sullen temper in the man, knowing that this man was part of Hammer's troubles, wondering, too, if he fitted into the puzzle of his father's disappearance. Benjamin Gaines was a newcomer to the valley. It was odd that he had come in to take over Kennedy's small spread only a few weeks after Farnham North rode north toward Saddle Pass and disappeared. Miles waited, holding his violence in check with an effort. Gaines kept his eyes on the cards in his hands, and finally Miles murmured, I figured you was all mouth, Gaines. The thick-necked man's temper ignited then. He turned his head, blurted thickly, you go to the devil, Miles. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Guns of Hammer. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.